Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. We've got the deal of the century for you on Redmen Plus. It is 50% off our club captain yearly subscription. That is £25 instead of 54 Loads of content! Get on it. Code is Black Friday. Redmenplus.com. Hello everyone, welcome to the Red Men TV podcast. I'm Chris Pajak, I'm joined by Dan Club and by Steve Plunkett for this one. And we are going to be talking about Liverpool Football Club because I'm already bored of the World Cup, lads. Um, although I am kind of enjoying the fact that there's footy on in the office and you can sort of, yeah. oh, scored over there and all that type of stuff, which is wicked to be fair. Like, But no Liverpool, no fun, no party, no Pajak. Um, anyway, we're here to talk Liverpool Football Club. Uh, but before we do, obviously we've just mentioned the Black Friday offer there uh, for 50% off Club Captain yearly subscription on redmenplus.com um, obviously on YouTube we released the new series My Liverpool Debut so Jamie Carragher's My Liverpool Debut was on there to get you a, a taster of that we've got Phil Thompson that's out now on Redmen Plus we've got Martin Kelly out this Friday and then we've got Jim Beglin Neil Meller and Bruce Grobble all rounding off the first of that series uh, all coming to Redmen Plus over the next few weeks it really is excellent so give yourself a little 20 minutes 30 minutes to watch the Jamie Carragher one and if you're enjoying that then come over to Redmen Plus and you can use the Black Friday discount code and you get all of that and everything we've done in the past well we've got a kickoff question from Quad Bod one of our club legend um, club legends on Red Men Plus uh, and he says if you had to swap your season ticket at Anfield to watch another football club for next season this can be worldwide mm-hmm. which would it be also if it had to be a different sport what sport and what team uh, Steve I'll come to you first on this one football wise Probably Dortmund would be a good swap because it's very similar in the atmosphere and the essence of the football club and and the decent as well. But and then if it would be a different sport, it'd probably be rugby league, and I'd probably go over to Wigan and watch that. Mm-hmm. Fair play, nice and close as well. Dortmund's not at Wigan. <laughs> Dortmund's difficult, I think. Yeah, yeah, Tra- yeah. Travel-wise, for me personally, football, I'd be going to Lake Como. Um, in Semi B, they got Cesc Fabregas there now, but it's Lake Como. Like that'll do for me every weekend. I think pretty much. Sounds. I'm not interested. Does in the EasyJet fly there? Um, I'm not sure. <laughs> Ryan Air, perhaps. Yeah, I'd, I'd fly over there for from it. Manchester. They won't fly from Liverpool. What will a he? place to watch football though. That'd be what an amazing venue. Like so that's my. And I'm not interested. If it was, if I had to support somebody else in inverted commas, I wouldn't want it to be elite because Liverpool are my elite side I'd rather drop down a level or two and go and just enjoy where I am so yeah Lake Como and then different sport I'd be cricket obviously I think everyone knew that was going to come um, and I'd go watch New South Wales um, which is Melbourne and I lived in Melbourne for a while so I'd head back there 
Yeah, that's a, yeah. that's a pretty cool answer, to yeah. be fair. Like, <laughs> I was the same as you. I was Dortmund for me, me side. The same thing. You get to sing nice songs. And you know, I want to experience that atmosphere. I've never actually been there either. So I think that would be wicked. I could afford the season ticket. I could probably afford to pay for my plight with what I've saved on my season ticket yeah. from Liverpool yeah. as well. Um, and then different sports. I think everybody knows the answer for this. For me, it's the Vikings. It's NFL. Um, it is literally a bucket list thing. I actually had an opportunity to go this Thursday um, for the Vikings game and wasn't able to get me ducks in a row yeah. mainly because I found out like three days ago um, that would have yeah that would have been that would have been pretty nice uh, but it is what it is we're going to talk a little bit about FSG now anyway uh, that's what the show <laughs> is about mainly um, I want to start to Start off by just talking about the timeline of this more than anything. So I think it's important to go back to the 7th of November and that David Ornstein piece and maybe talk a little bit about the fallout from that first as, as we move forwards. Um, so I've got, the, I've got it on my screen now and you can see Fenway Sports Group, FSG has put Liverpool up for sale. Full sales presentation has been produced for interested parties. FSG has looked at opportunities in the past but decided against moving forward with them. It's unclear whether or not a deal will eventually be done but FSG is inviting offers. Now, I think it's fair to say, Steve, that this was met with quite a bit of scepticism at first. You know, I saw a lot of people calling, certainly me out on our reaction video, but like, no, they're looking for investment and all that type of stuff. But David Ornstein, as I said on the night, almost literally after we found out, is a very good journalist mm. and wouldn't stick his neck out if he didn't know something. Um, and I think Liverpool's statement was perhaps used as, no, this is the evidence that it's not, but where, where were you right then and there in that moment? So David Ornstein, quite right, is a credible source. Anything he says generally is very close to the money, so you, you can take that as read. Um, yeah, it came as a bit of a shock. We always knew this day was going to come. I, I, I favoured, in my own mind, I think, selling everything rather than doing it as an investment because consortiums, when you end up in the consortium, it worries me. You look at the Arsenal model, they all fell out and went in their separate directions mm -hmm. and it didn't help the club. Um, so... so is it a good thing for the football club? Possibly. Depends on who it goes to. It's also a bit a bit scary because it, it heralds a new era. We don't know what that new era includes. So uh, whilst it's kind of wow moment, it's also a bit of trepidation thinking, do they sell out to the biggest bidder because they just want the money? You would hope that the club means more to them and they wouldn't do that. But, but as I say, quite excited by the possibility of being able to compete with the checkbook, but also worried about the moral behind the owners that mm. we have. Yeah, I think that's I think most Liverpool fans that I'd spoken to Dan were, were feeling the same sort of feelings as as Steve has mentioned there. But yeah. to take you back to it, did you think it was for sale? Yeah, I did, to be honest with you. Just because I don't think FSG and and David Ornstein indeed would have allowed these sort of things to come out in the ether were it not for sale. Like I don't I don't see why this story would have been a story had it just been, oh, yeah, looking for investment. They're probably always looking for investment. I think they've kind of nodded to that in the past anyway. They've always want new investors. That's the way their whole thing runs. We had the Redbird stuff not too long ago as well. They came in and invested. So that's not really a news story. This was a news story. This is something much bigger than that. This wouldn't have been a thing if it wasn't for sale, in my opinion. Yes, they were kind of tempering down the language, and it was like, oh, yeah, we want new investment, but we might be open to a full sale. This, for me, from the outset, despite what anyone said, was this club's up for sale at some point. And it just felt like they kind of seized the opportunity. They saw the time and they thought, we need to get out now. And that's how it seemed to me. 
Yeah, I think the statement from FSG read um, there have been a number of recent changes of ownership and rumours of changes of ownership at EPL clubs and inevitably we are asked regularly about Fenway Sports Group's ownership in Liverpool. FSG has frequently received expressions of interest from third parties seeking to shareholders in Liverpool. FSG has said before that under the right terms and conditions we would consider new shareholders if it was in the best interest. FSG remains fully committed to the success of Liverpool both on and off the pitch and at that point... Uh, that just, I don't know about you, Steve, but that just felt to me like we've been caught with our pants down. We need to say something. Here's a statement we put out in the past. Use that. Because I think what would have probably happened in this scenario, if, if you're David Ornstein, you've probably checked it with a couple of sources. You've probably got answers that Liverpool are for sale. You've gone to Liverpool Football Club or FSG and said, this is what I've been told. Can you confirm? And at that point, they've gone, <gasps> shit. We've been caught here. What are we going to do now? Does it work in their favour? Because Dan sort of alluded to it that maybe it's out there because FSG wanted to be out there. Do you think that's part and parcel of big business? Yeah, and I also think the wording's quite clever. Whilst it alludes to we're potentially looking for some investment, I think everybody knows that the right thing for them now is to sell the club. We are being told daily we're on the precipice of a two-year worldwide recession. So is the football club worth its maximum value now? for the medium to long term because of what we're about to go through. We, we all know they didn't buy the football club to to put football shirts on a single never walk alone on the cop. They bought it as a financial transaction. So I think it was um, quite well staged. I think it's, it's quite clever PR to put it out in that way. And the, the, the statement itself is a little bit ambiguous in terms of it doesn't say one or the other, mm-hmm. but it's, it's, it seems as though they're looking to, to shift the club wholesale the whole thing to somebody else so yeah I think I think they've, they've found themselves in a position where they couldn't deny it certain articles have been written that it's been floated around for a little while now and it's obviously come to a credible uh, media source and they've gone well we're going to run with this so we'll call them out and see what they do and they came with a pretty non-plus is probably not the right word but a pretty standard statement that, that is neither here nor there doesn't commit to anything mm, no. but it kind of gives you a flavour as to what they're thinking yeah absolutely and moving on then four days later on scene again November mm. the 11th mm. broke the news that uh, Liverpool director Mike Gordon <clears throat> is stepping back from his current position at Anfield yeah. the move is being described as a natural evolution that will see chief exec Billy Hogan take greater responsibility for operations sources with knowledge of the situation indicate that Gordon will now focus on a potential sale of Liverpool by owners FS now at that point, those those that article from four days earlier really starts to make sense, doesn't yeah. it? And you can almost see the ducks getting lined up there. That Mike Gordon's come out, Billy Hogan's going to step up, take mm-hmm. his position. At that point, are you thinking this might be a lot closer than we first originally thought? Yeah, and that's something I felt from the outset, to be honest with you. Because again, you don't really like Liverpool generally, whether it be transfer business or stuff higher up the food chain. Stuff like this doesn't tend to come out unless it's pretty much done a lot of the time. Like our transfer stories are very good at keeping things under wraps. And especially with something as credible as the Athletic, you think they're not going to start putting their own heads on the block and FSG the same if there isn't something already happening here behind the scenes. And like you say, when all of a sudden one of sort of the main big heads behind the scenes in Mike Gordon, somebody they quite clearly trust with the entire run of the football club and therefore entirely trust with the sale of the football club, when he suddenly moves positions days later, you think, right, there really is something in the off in here um, and that was kind of my thought from the outset to be honest with you because a lot of football clubs you hear weeks in advance oh there's this speculation about this could be happening and then nothing ever comes of it but with us there's no smoke about fire more mm. often than not and that's what it felt like from the outset with this um, and like you say when Gordon then moves his position 
to a different role, which is concentrating on the investment slash sale of the club. You're right, you then start to think, hang on, like there's already talks on going here, there's already interested parties sniffing about. And any sort of like thought I had of that a few days when the story first broke, you thought, there's clearly going to be interest. You've clearly had conversations. There's clearly people putting the hat, throwing a hat into the ring. That just got escalated with this extra news. And then I think then 17th of November, and this is where I really wanted to talk about because at this point, uh, the Boston Globe had spoken to Tom Werner. And I've got. I'll read some of what the Boston Globe has written. Um, Liverpool Football Club is receiving considerable attention from parties interested in buying into the soccer team, football team, or buying it outright. But Tom Werner pumped the brakes, saying that Fenway Sports Group exploration of finding new partners may wind up where it started. We're exploring a sale, but there's no urgency, no time frame for us. As far as we're, as as far as I'm concerned, it's business as usual. Said Werner, the chairman of FSG, second largest shareholder. One outcome could be our continued stewardship for quite. A while. F- when FSG partner Sam Kennedy and FSG principal owner John Henry were here for the Major League Baseball owners meeting, which ended Thursday. So they've been sp- they've they've spoken about, and this is the first time we've had someone from the big three of FSG confirm that Liverpool Football Club is up for sale. And this is the first time I think we've spoken about it on Red Men TV yeah. as well since that story broke. I think it was late Friday night or something, wasn't it? Now at that point. This is it now. Liverpool Football Club are for sale and everything starts spinning around. You know, you alluded to it before. So, I've had time to digest it and I think the first thing I did when I when I digested it was think about what FSG have meant to Liverpool Football mm-hmm. Club, what FSG have done for Liverpool Football Club um, and what then the future might hold. So, what have FSG... Have FSG been good owners for Liverpool Football Club? Doesn't have yeah, to be a for, yes or for the no. most for the most part, absolutely. Um, they've got things wrong. We know that there's the ticket prices, the fair low, and they're trying to trademark the word Liverpool. They're bad moves. They listened. They retracted it. They went backwards. Not to mention the European Super League, which is probably yep. the worst thing that they've done in the time of their stewardship. But from a from a club point of view, it's worth the most it's ever been worth. The infrastructure is the strongest it's ever been. The ground's fantastic and getting better. Acts as a thing, it's live, it's brilliant training grounds, state of the art, and there's a scope to develop that too. Debt wise, how we run the football club, we've got one of the lowest debts in, in the league, so you, you'd have to say the business model works. So, from that perspective, yes, FSG have done ticked a lot of boxes for us, mistakes apart. Where, where they've come up a little bit short is they don't choose to run the football club with any degree of losses, and those losses contribute to being able to buy players. Mm-hmm. And they've dropped the ball many, many times in terms of supporting from a position of strength. Yeah. So we won the Champions League. What do we do now? We reinforce our, our destiny. We, we make sure that we go on and win trophy after trophy after trophy, and we go and spend big. We didn't do that. We kind of pitched around for cheaper players and we waited for players, Canate being the one when we desperately needed centre-backs. Mm-hmm. They chose to mm-hmm. wait till the summer and, and it nearly cost us. So from that regard, um, there were, there's lessons to be learned and they don't appear to learn them because they're so resolute in running a business model. That, that it's frugal, isn't it? Yeah, <coughs> it's all about return on <coughs> investment, Chris. If you go and spend £250 million on, on players in, in summer transfer window, for instance, that has to be a loan because we can only spend what we earn or we can loan from FSG. That lowers the value of the club, so that makes you four billion or your three point five billion slightly less. So, this, everything has been done with one eye on an exit strategy for them. Mm. I firmly believe that. But you know, does the not- word stewardship and the fact that Tom Werner used that word tell you that? 
yeah, yeah. I think it does. Yeah. I think I think you know when he comes out and says, "Well, we're stewards of this temporary club." Thing, isn't it? Yeah. Temporary. Yeah. That yeah, means yeah. that somebody else is coming along. I've always thought of them as you know, stewards, yeah, but I've never that. heard them talk no. of them as stewards. But I think that, like Steve alludes to, there, that's kind of been the the case from day one. They bought a distressed asset, didn't they? They were very clever when they bought the football club. Like, listen, we were all in the doldrums of what was going on, obviously, and we were very thankful for them for doing so. But from their point of view, it very much was a business. They were never likely to come in and splash the cash and just go, oh, here you go, here's loads of money, on you go. It was always a business venture for them. And that's how it's thus proven. And that's why the timing of this potential sale is so interesting. Because we know what's going on in the world. We know they've taken us, in terms of our value, perhaps as far as it could ever go. Maybe I might be wrong in that. I certainly hope I am. But they've got profit-wise, they've made absolutely millions of pounds on it. Right, if they were to sell right now. But not only that, with what's coming down the line potentially in terms of financially, this is the time to get out. And that's what makes you think it is just a business decision. Everything they do is based on business decisions. Every single mistake they made, the ones you just referenced there, hiring ticket prices, trademarking, they were all money spinners for them in their eyes. The European Super League was a money spinner. That's why they did it. The reason they were forced to back down, they said this on the show pretty much when the news broke, is that they didn't back down because they saw the light of their, they ever their ways. They, they backed down because of pressure around them. And yeah. they thought, this will essentially become untenable and we're going to lose more than we gain if we stick to our guns here. They were pressured into backing down if if they weren't done if that didn't happen we'd be in the super league we'd be having higher ticket prices etc etc so their decisions have always been based on business and that's just proven in the transfer market as well and that's where so many fans because a lot of fans let's be quite frank about it don't really care about what goes on behind the scenes a lot of fans don't care that we've got a state-of-the-art training ground which is amazing the stadium's getting better all the time but some fans so we have Liverpool fans that don't come to the stadium that often they're all over the world they just want to see investment in the transfer window and us competing for major honours and that's where FSG because of their frugal nature and their business venture that this is fall down because they can only take us like 80, 90% of the way and there's a point whereby they go that's too rich for our blood, we can't afford to do that because we're not going to make it back, whereas your Man Cities, your PSGs and potentially your Newcastles of this world don't care because they don't need that money back it doesn't matter to them, they can throw money at it if they don't see return on the investment we've all joked about Man City buying fullback after fullback for 50 million because it doesn't matter, it's Johnny splatter cash to them, they can just throw money at it, it makes no odds, whereas we have a ceiling that's much lower than theirs. Yeah, and, and that's, I think, where it comes to. And I think that, you know, for me, and I've, I've said this before, when it comes to financial fair play, they came into this league hoping that financial fair play would actually restrict teams because it makes it a bit more of a level playing field. Yeah. It doesn't make it a level playing field. Burnley are never going to be able to win the league because of financial fair play. But at the top end, it, it, it's almost like a cap, isn't mm. it? Because it, the most people the clubs have probably earned over the course of a season, over the last few years, is 550 million quid. Mm-hmm. That's about as high as clubs have got. You know, your Manchester United, your Manchester Cities have just got there, I think, in their last financial statements and all that type of amazing, uh, amazing marketing department, of course, <laughs> uh, selling to the same people over and over again that also happens to own them. Anyway, uh, regardless... Um, that's where it comes in, where Liverpool are able to spend what they earn because our our capacity for commercial deals is higher than most yeah. other teams. Yeah. And then if we have good financial fair play regulations, then they could see it, we could keep them at the top, much like a cap in, in baseball or much like the NFL salary cap and all that type of stuff. It's roughly the high end can all get to the same point. 
Um, obviously, I think that with financial fair play not being probably uh, as harshly regulated as uh, FSG would have liked, mm. I think that makes it fall down. I also think you're right to point out the, the financial crisis. Both of you have mentioned that the upcoming financial crisis. Liverpool, I think, now at a point where it's risk-reward, or FSG are at a point where it's risk-reward, I should say, because, yeah, we could probably get to £4 billion or £5 billion, mm-hmm. but it's a big risk to go through the next two years when you could take your money out now. Yeah. That's it, isn't it? It's it's a game of 21. You know, it's a game of blackjack. Do you, do you, do you turn that extra card when you're on 16 or do you stick and hold and hope mm-hmm. the dealer goes bust? And yeah. That's kind of where FSG are now, isn't it? So, totally. It's all about timing and, and the financial world dictates now is probably the right time. It's interesting the statement that was written in the Boston Globe is purely a positioning statement. You can't come out and say, absolutely, we want to sell the club, we're looking for a buyer, we want to sell the club and, and keep delivering that message because that, that's that's max of desperation and then people are coming into the office with the football club. They've got to be resolute and stand by their, their plan to exit. But you're quite right. I mean, the, the obvious question would be if we didn't have Coutinho and we didn't have the money from Suarez, where would we be in terms of buying players? Because the big question on all of the Liverpool fans' lips, and Dan alluded to it before, is fans from far afield want to see investment. Without £140 million for Coutinho, do they go and spend £75 million on Virgil van Dijk? People are looking at the club now saying, who's the next Coutinho? We haven't really this got is one. The, I said this a few weeks ago, is that this is where FSGs fall down massively yeah. in the mm. game plan because we haven't had that since then. Pretty much, you know, if you're sell to buy, you've got to sell. Yeah. And Liverpool ain't sold. Like, yeah. you know, we've let Wijnaldum go. It looks like we're <coughs> about to let Naby Keita go. There was yeah. a fifty million pound player. You know, apart from the likes of we've got good money for your Nico Williamses and stuff like that, mm. there isn't a hundred million pound sale. So one of I said one of Mane and Salah should have gone for big money. They should have mm. if that was the model. Didn't want it to happen. Never yeah. wanted to see one of them go for a hundred million quid. Yeah. But that was the model. And if you'd stop selling, then you can't buy. Well, one hundred percent. And that was always the thing in the back of my mind when we had Mane and Salah. You thought, well, the, the likelihood is is they are going to cash in on one of them because of the way we've been banned previously. And if we are going to sort of regenerate and go again one of them's going to need to go because they're the two big money assets that we Mm. owned. That didn't happen. And I wonder, but you are right in the fact we haven't got one of them now. We haven't had that one of them for a while. But I wonder whether that's because we're no longer sell to buy. We're just self-sustainable now. We don't need to sell that big player anymore because we make so much revenue off. At first, how much do we spend a year? In terms of our transfer transfer outgoings? Not loads. So if you want Bellingham for 150 million... We're not going to do that because we haven't spent 150 million in a window. But our net spend was, you know, in the negative, if you like, last yeah. summer because obviously we only lose money for what's 30 odd million or something like that, and a couple of others top it up to maybe 60 odd potentially, and then we obviously spend big on Nunes, albeit sort of incremental in terms of the fact there's going to be stuff further down the line. So we are still spending more than we bring in, whereas previously with Coutinho we weren't. It was on the nose. It had to be on the nose. We had to get 140. If anything, we were making a profit for a long time and we've stopped doing that in recent years and I wonder whether that's because we're so successful off the field now with all the main stand marketing commercial stuff that goes on I think we have slightly shifted away from sell to buy and it's just we'll make as much money elsewhere 
that we need to spend. But that's the. I think that's where the, the difficulty lies for them because I think to keep Liverpool at the top and compete with your Manchester Cities, you do need hundred million pound players, and we're not selling enough to be able, and we don't earn enough to be able to do that because we put so much investment into the players' wages and the mm. squad and everything mm-hmm. else that there isn't hundred and fifty million for Bellingham every season or whoever it is. I'm not just saying Bellingham. That's the type of player yeah, that yeah. I think a lot of fans want to see at the football club rather than... And I think it's okay to go a £30 million jotter or a £40 million jotter when you're at the top. Mm-hmm. But when you've fallen off, well, right, this season we have fallen off. Mm. You need more than, I hope this guy comes good. Yeah. You need genuine world-class talent and that's what £150 million probably buys you. 100%, you know, we'd be able to get either of the two guys that we were linked with in the summer, the two Shemini or Bellingham, it changes the face of things, it changes the business model. That's the key to this. There's a massive realisation at FSG that what we've been doing isn't enough and they need to go out and they need to invest and they need to spend and they need to be more clever, I was going to say creative, but we'll leave that to other people, be more clever with the, the commercial deals, deals that they're creating. We are a, a worldwide brands. There are lo- yeah. lots of opportunities to, to work with uh, people with integrity, people with good reputations and, and develop and grow our commercial infrastructure. I don't think we've been great with that, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. We've got the obvious big hitters just you know the, the big sponsorships but there's lots of opportunity for other things and, and maybe that was a revenue stream we didn't fully investigate mm. properly and, and rightfully as well I might add but I think there's a, now a genuine realization that they're gonna have to run Liverpool at a club with more losses than they have been purely to to allow them to and it's the only business in the world where <coughs> Manchester United for instance have got a 600 million pound loan they've not paid a penny off in 15 years or however long it is mm. in any other business in the world you're insolvent if there's those yeah. numbers yeah. because of the assets <coughs> of real estate football doesn't work like that so yeah. you could afford to say to Liverpool okay we'll go from 40 million pound uh, losses on your accounts to 200. Just start, just while I stop you there, what does a financial crash do to that? Because that's that the one be. thing where Liverpool, I think, are, are, are quite safe. Yeah. But a financial crash around the world, mm. banks going bust and, and a £600 million hanging over your head, would, would actually be quite a scary thing. Stop calling it in. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Now they've got to spend two or three hundred million on Old Trafford as well. Don't forget, because it leaks and it stinks, doesn't it? Quite frankly, yeah. but yeah, it's a dangerous position to get yourself in. And for that reason, we should be grateful that they haven't done that. Yeah. But we've now reached the point where we're going to have to, or as you said before, you drop off, and where still you get left behind. This is the changing face of football, where where commercial deals are more important than ever. You get you get to spend what you earn. You earn that by doing good deals with people. Newcastle have got unlimited resources Manchester City have got unlimited resources Manchester United spend like they've got unlimited resources but they certainly don't there's three teams that could steal a march on us so that FSG have now arrived at the thought in their mind that we either change the business model mm. we lower the value of the club that's not what we came in to do that's not the deal we looked at that's no. not the plan or we now investigate what's out there in the marketplace in terms of do we want to sell and we know they've had people inquire when when technically we weren't for sale you know, going back to the, the players thing, we know Mane wanted to leave at the end of 18. We know he wanted to leave at the end of the 20 season. 18 season, we'd have got 100 million plus for him. Yeah, I, I kind of go with a little bit what Dan's saying. They didn't feel the need to do that because they thought with what we had, we could continue to go and continue to win. But what they didn't bank on was Newcastle, Manchester City's continued involvement. Mm. So being self-sustained is great. But when you're up against people who aren't self-sustained and who fly in the face of FFP, you do two things. You, do, you join them 
and you grow with mm. them and you challenge them or you say actually morally we're not going to do that but then you get left behind left behind yeah I, I wonder I actually think if FSG have if part of their decision making behind the potential sale is the fact that they feel like they can't compete anymore and they want Liverpool to succeed on the highest level in terms of they want Liverpool Football Club to be able to compete with Manchester City's of this world in terms of spending that would be one of the better decisions that FSG have made during their tenure at the club if they've looked at the situation and gone because they could quite easily sort of run it over like they have been doing and kind of keep us running a mill, maybe challenge the top four every now and then and just keep us ticking. But if they've looked at it and gone, well, no, because that's, this is more than that. This football club deserves more. And they've gone, we can't do that, though, so we'll hand it over to somebody who can. That would be genuinely, and I don't really like saying it because some of the decisions have been so poor, that would be one of the better ones they've made during their time at the club. Would they have made it with the football team at their heart or do you think it would have been money? It has to come into the equation though, doesn't it? Because otherwise, like I said, they could just keep ticking over and keep making their money that they do every year and keep hold of what would be on any portfolio probably the prize asset. But instead, it looks like they might be going, actually, we can't afford to do that. But do they make money? Oh yeah, they must do, otherwise they wouldn't have it. They take stakeholders' dividends, don't they? What they'll do is they'll sell the football club, Mm -hmm. go and buy an NBA, because that seems to be what they want to do, go and buy a German football club, build those two up, release the revenue back in them, and it's just a a, a cycle, basically, and what Liverpool... See, I think what they're looking for, I think they're looking for an NFL team. And I think that's where I, I think that's why why and you know I, I mentioned this the day after the news broke, the Washington Commanders are coming up for sale. NFL teams don't come up for sale very right. often. FSG don't have a, a, an NFL team. Obviously, it looks like in about six months' time, people are going to start bidding on the Washington Commanders. This is a league and a sport that is built to make money for mm-hmm. their owners. This is not football where football clubs are a black hole to pull money out of the owner this is a league that has a cap on the salaries that shares no transfer fees you know you do buy picks and all that type of stuff and sharing your draft picks and switching them and all that Mm -hmm. type of stuff they are making billions in the NFL over a few seasons for their owners that's what they're for they've got Liverpool Football Club on their resume that goes look how good owners we were we took them from here from the brink to winning a Premier League to European champions to champions of the world not like the American champions of the world and it was just 32 teams in one league yeah. by the way this is a real champions of the yeah, world yeah. Um, where you have to win the European Cup to be able to play off against the South Americans or whatever and then they've got the Boston Red Sox who everybody will already know over in America if you're pitching for a team in the NFL Liverpool Football Club looks like frigging Apple on your resume doesn't it you know what yeah, I mean yeah. like it's an incredible thing and you make money in those whereas I think yeah, they do make money of course they make some money out of Liverpool but they don't make anywhere near as much as some no, other no. sports and they're in it to make money let's yes, not yeah. forget that and that model suits them down to the ground as well just to say what you just mentioned there in terms of the draft pick and not really having to like bid that, that's perfect for them and the fact you make millions from it as well is also ideal so yeah that would be the most sensible move from there but and it gets them Back into something they're probably more invested in. Like one of our biggest criticisms of them during their time at the club has been the fact they're not invested in the football club in terms of what happens on the pitch. And that's why yep. they don't spend particularly freely when it comes to the transfer market. But if they go, that, that, that's not a problem anymore. They are invested in the NFL probably. They do have a more of a, an interest in that. So that's the perfect scenario. Yeah, and be. I look back on it and think, wow, what a deal that was. We just sat and watched our asset grow, 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 and grow. Yeah. And now it gives us a, a, an entry into the NFL market. You know, So if, if what you're saying is in six months mm. they'll be inviting bids, 
technically they've got six yeah. months to and get ju- just a, a comment from Jono actually in the YouTube comments says, FSG can't buy an NFL team as they're currently constructed NFL doesn't allow private equity ownership FSG have private equity I did not know that but as you kind of alluded to, they're currently constructed. Makes me think that that means it's not always going to be that way. Yeah. Um, but I just thought I saw the comments. If that's true, fair play to you. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me if somebody, John Henry himself, was in for it um, in whatever way, shape, or I think mm. that means. But they'll find a way. Yeah. They have made some smart decisions as well, just to say on it, because we've been quite critical of the bad decisions they made, but getting the likes of Michael Edwards in situ and Julian Ward thereafter, but Jurgen Klopp being the main one, getting him into the ground and again, tying him down to an extended contract. They have made good decisions on the way. Hasn't all been via luck that this we've had this glorious success? Like you've just said there, they've kind of sat back and watched their asset grow, which they have done, make no two ways about it, but at the same time, within that, they've employed good people along the way. Yeah, it doesn't the, grow itself, does it? No. The big, the big question moving forwards... <laughs> Um, and I think this is something that I think I know what you're going to say already, Dan, because you kind of alluded to it a little bit. Do, who do you think they're going to sell to? And would we really find out FSG's true colours if they sold us to a state or if they didn't? Would that tell them? Would that... I don't know how I'm going to best to phrase this. If FSG don't sell to a state and they yeah. sell to a good owner, yeah. that should be the big... That will be the best decision they've ever made. Yeah, 100% it would be. Yeah, And that would be, like you rightfully say, that would be them showing their true colours and show that they do. They always had the club's best interest at heart. Those apology speeches that we've seen after they messed up with the Super League, that, I don't want to say that wasn't sort of staged and what have you. It probably wasn't staged, but at the same time, he meant what he said when he was saying that the club was priority. And if he was, this is, the, this is it now, this is the crux of it. If they just go, right, highest bidder, don't care who you are, where you're from, just want to see the colour of your money, then we all go, ah, yeah, you only ever were in it for the cash. You know what I mean? We all, what a lot of people suspected um, was always the case. However, if they go, oh, no, we're not really bothered about highest bidder. We'd rather it was good people who are going to carry on our hard work and going to take the club forward and they haven't got questionable X, Y, Z. Then, yeah, I think we do see what FSG are all about. And we do see the fact that they were, not only was it a business venture for them, but it was also... A hobby, a joyful hobby that they did quite enjoy in the football club. They did get some some success out of it, and they were happy to do it. So yeah, I think this is when it comes about, when the day comes, that would be the biggest thing. That they- Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. 
They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Never do. Okay, and steak for you, this is a hard one. What would it mean if they did sell to a steak for you? That's a, that is a hard question. Yeah. Um, <laughs> thanks for saving it up for me, by the way. <laughs> I, I I'm quite invested in the morals of the football club uh, fan for, for for longer than I care to remember, but I, I wouldn't be comfortable with it going to someone with civil human right issues or you know real things that that question everybody questions. You know, look at the furore when Newcastle stepped up and they tried and were sent away and they came back and they appealed it and they eventually got it over the line. Um, at what point do you say? This is very cliched. We are Liverpool Football Club. We don't do that. And at what point do you say, but it is the future? There will be fans that will embrace any owner because they'll come with money. They'll go, we don't care. Show us the colour of your money. And there'll be more people with tradition and, and more into the heritage of the football club that will go, well, we never really ever wanted to be that. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a potential for the football club to lose a lot of fans if, if, if it's sold to the wrong owner, if it goes to a state owner. We all are... are wary of what is said in social media and there are fans who are already nailing their colours to the mass saying that's it football's done for me if, if we become that it would be hypocritical as a fan base largely to just suddenly go okay it's it's that uh, wealth, wealth fund from that country um, or it's the guy that owns one of the NBA teams that seems really invested in sports clubs there's a difference between the two mm-hmm. uh, I really don't know how I'll feel until it happens and it, and it'll take a little while to process and take a little while mm. to decide what to do um, because at the end of the day I've invested a lot of time and effort and into this and to suddenly say actually I've got to draw a line under it and walk away is a monumental decision and it depends whether I can alter my moral compass to, to allow people like that to run a football club and the, the answer right now is I, I couldn't tell you. Mm. Dan? Oh, cheers. Um, it, it's, a, it's a really difficult one, of course, is there is an element of me that, suggests, that thinks, oh, you need to keep up with the Joneses in terms of you need the extra investment. Therefore, you'd welcome it from essentially anywhere. However, um, I love Liverpool Football Club. I'll support them pretty much regardless, I think, to be honest with you. I don't think it alters my view on the football club as a whole, um, to be honest. <laughs> I've got my preferences. My preference would be sort of the middle ground. We spoke on a show recently. It was like a, an FSG plus in terms of FSG carry, the, carry on doing all the great work and they carry on with all the same models or better models, if you like, um, except they are willing to spend a little bit extra cash. If it was state-owned and it was state-owned with the questionable stuff that has been labelled other clubs like Newcastle, like you rightly say, um, God, it's such a difficult one. Uh, I would... I, I would carry on supporting the football club, whether I'd be as invested, whether I'd go as much is, is, is up for debate, if I'm going to be brutally honest. And I think a lot of people will be having that same sort of tug with their own conscience, to be honest. It's yeah, it, it's so difficult. I mean, I, I was asked this by, uh, this is Anfield, a, a couple of weeks ago. I think that the last game in Anfield before it broke up and stuff. And I'd, I'd like to hope that my principles would take over and I'd be like, no, fuck this. Like, you know what I mean? And I, it, but like you guys, I've also spent a lot of time thinking about Liverpool Football Club mm. and invested a hell of a lot over the years and everything else. And I just wonder whether a better use of the platform would be to keep the fight going, to be quite honest with you. 
you know, to actually use this platform that we've that we've got to be able to keep highlighting the problems around the world. That like that, that mm. actually might be a sort of common ground where I can still enjoy the football. Yeah. But I can also use the platform that Redmen's got mm. to to actually highlight these issues over and over and over again. Yeah, we're seeing it all over the place now. There's a World Cup going in Qatar right now, and so much of the coverage around that has been based around highlighting the issues, like you rightfully say, and Newcastle are doing something similar, Man City have done something similar in the past as well. The supporters of those clubs and the people watching the World Cup have carried on doing so, but they've used it as an opportunity, like you say, to to try and make progress in those countries. And a lot of the messaging around what these those countries are doing in, in owning these things or indeed holding these things is the fact they do want to move forward and they do want to make progress. And whether you take that as red or not, or whether you believe that or not, is entirely up to you. But if that was to happen to Liverpool Football Club, I think myself personally, I'd have to just take it at face value and go, OK, yeah, I'm open to that. Let's do that. Mm-hmm. Let's try and progress. Let's try and spread the word. Let's try and improve things across across the globe. I think. Yeah. No, it, it, it is massively. And I think every every Liverpool fan over the last two weeks has had that conversation in their yeah, head of, and, and thought about it. And it, it's incredibly difficult. It, it, it truly, honestly, is. And um, I, I don't know. I think just like you said before, Dan. If if you've got a choice, you're picking someone who is one of the richest people in the world, mm-hmm. a massive Liverpool fan. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because whoever you get is ultimately out to make money other than a Liverpool mm. fan. It's got to be for somebody who wants Liverpool to succeed with loads of spare dough. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> That's the only good answer that you can possibly get. Yeah. Because you could have a Liverpool... Like Steve Morgan in the in the years gone by, he, he was a massive Liverpool fan. He wanted to buy it straight off the Moors family, didn't he? Yeah. He just didn't have the dough. No, he didn't. But he'd have probably been a good owner in terms of he'd have sunk all of his money in. We might not have gone anywhere... But, you know, he was a Liverpool fan, first yeah. and foremost. That's what you want, a Liverpool fan, first and foremost. Um, are we now at the realms with the, the type of money we're talking about? That's not likely. So, well, so it, yeah. I could po- possibly get my head around oil money, possibly, at some point in the future. And those guys have got a big pot of money that they don't know what to do with. So they, they don't look for a return on investment. There's no return on investment in Manchester City. No. It's, it's about building an infrastructure, about building a sports brand and enjoying seeing them win things and, and bringing the best players and best managers. Well, we're, we're already down that road. So it's whether whether you can get your head around someone with oil money mm. that sees it as a rich man's toy that doesn't mm. worry about whether you can turn the three billion into four billion and then five no. billion. If that happens, that happens. But ultimately, the guys who are, who are behind Newcastle, behind PSG and behind Manchester City and the... We we go after them frequently, and you know, as a fan base, mm-hmm. those guys are not doing this for for return on investment. No. They're doing this for kudos. Yeah, uh, Robbie D, centre of super chat, five pounds. Thank you so much, Robbie. Uh, unless for vanity sports washing, why would anyone spend beat three billion plus if the club value rises? Then sell on a later date. Need to find an even richer buyer. It's kind of it. It's kind of where we are at the moment, isn't it? And I think that's why. That's probably why FFP was, you know, looked at a few years ago. Is the, the bubble will eventually burst, mm-hmm. you know? And I think maybe, maybe it won't. But like, you need to do something, don't you, to stop? Mm-hmm. The, it's the money that goes out of football that's half the problem. To yeah. be honest with you, like the agents' money and all that type of stuff. Where, you know, what, what was it reported mm-hmm. that Harlan's agents walked away with? You're talking like twenty-five to fifty million quid. And his dad on top. And of his that dad. Well, and yeah. I, this is the thing. And this is why I like in my life I try to shop at independence where I can. I try mm-hmm. to eat at independent restaurants where I can. You know, um, 
I go to I, I go to a bakery, I go to a butcher's, I go to a veg shop, and yeah, it's a pain in the arse. And I get what I can't get from supermarkets to do. I, you, you can't be fucking perfect, like no. you know what I mean. But <clears throat> you keep the money in the city. That's what my thing is. I want to yeah, keep yeah. my money in the city. You give the money to somebody else, and it all goes out to a conglomerate that don't spend tax or whatever. You know, I'm not saying the supermarkets don't, but you know, Amazon, for example, notoriously spend not very much. Uh, on tax, they keep their profits under the bare minimum, uh, so that the corporation tax bills are low and all that type of stuff. So, and a lot of them have them, you know, Google set up in Ireland rather than the UK and all yeah, this type yeah. of stuff. There's just tons of things where people are gaming the system. But if you give it to your man on the on the street corner, you know, at least it's staying in our city yeah. and all that type mm-hmm. of stuff. With footy, there's so much money in the game, but it's all going out the game. As soon as it comes in, it's shifted somewhere else. It's insane. It's madness. It's mm. absolute madness. They need to sort that out as well, don't they? Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, that was a that was a really hefty discussion. I enjoyed that one. Thank you very much. Uh, we've got more to come on the show. We're going to be talking Jude Bellingham because obviously after all that, Liverpool have got 150 million pounds to spend. But we are going to look at that deal properly, of course. Uh, but before we do, uh, take a little look at the advert for these wonderful Christmas jumpers. Hey everyone, do you love Liverpool Football Club as much as you love Christmas? And are you the kind of person who gets ahead of all of the rush and the craziness around the festive period and gets your Christmas purchasing done early? If you are, then get involved with our brand new knitted Christmas jumpers. They're available to pre-order right now. Knitted, it's a proper jumper and they're absolutely gorgeous. They are beautiful, they are snugly warm and they are a way of you know, showing how much you believe in Liverpool Football Club. Uh, there's two designs that are available. There is the Egan Club Believer, uh, and there is also a glorious history. Um, we did a version of this last year, which was predominantly in, in red and white. We've got a grey version this time, which is heavily inspired by Liverpool's away kit of 1990. It's got uh, basically a knitted version of all of the trophies that Liverpool have won in the massive history of Liverpool Football Club. Both of those, they're just, honestly, they're they're so fit they're so nice uh, and they are available in very very limited numbers so get your pre-order in today head to redmenmerch.com do not miss out do not miss out don't be that person unless you're the person who always misses out this is your opportunity not to be that person you know if you're organised you'll be on this you'll be on this already you'll be going straight away clicking the link dead easy getting your orders in and getting your pre-orders in Uh, if you're not that person this is your chance to change and be a better better dressed better organised person this festive period with our Redmen knitted Christmas jumpers. Head to redmenmerch.com. Hello, welcome back. Um, so you can get these wonderful Christmas jumpers. Uh, they're shipping straight away. It's not pre-order anymore. It's redmenmerch.com. If you order today, it will probably ship out tomorrow and it'll be with you if you're in England in about two days or three days' time. If you're in Europe, probably about five days' time. If you're in the rest of the world, about ten days' time. So just in time for your Christmas parties is what I'm trying to tell you. Get it ordered, redmenmerch.com. Um, and they are absolutely wonderful, and they're so comfortable as well. Warm as well. They are. They're, they're lovely. They're lovely. Um, now, of course, we've got a, a, sponsor, a sponsorship for the show. It's Who Knows Wins again. Um, and last week, the pick 10 was won by Jammy Jockstrap. Lovely name, by the way. Um <laughs> who won 3,000 quid wow. and shared it with Louise, 74. Uh, Diamond, uh, 1190. Leandro Bar, 1190. Nine <laughs> out of 10 for them. And I'm afraid to tell you, 
um, that I didn't win any money. That Paul did win six quid for getting six right, and Steve didn't get any money either. So uh, we, me and Steve both got four. Uh, there's no leagues, obviously, involving Liverpool this week, of course, but uh, you go to the pick ten, um, and I'm telling you now, this pick ten starts, I think it is, uh, on Wednesday the 23rd. Uh, we'll start with Germany, Japan, Spain, Costa Rica, Belgium, Canada, Switzerland, Cameroon, Uruguay, Korea, Republic, Portugal, Ghana, Brazil, Serbia, Wales, Iran, Netherlands, Ecuador, and England, the United States is this week's pick 10, um, which is just, I think, actually, that it's it will probably be much easier to get the results right at this stage mm. of the World Cup mm. because there's just standouts. I mean, Germany, Japan, Spain, Costa Rica, Belgium, Canada. I think I've already got three out of three there just for going for the big team. Yeah, you should have. Yeah, yeah you definitely and should I, have. I must admit, over the years, and it, listen, obviously you've got a gamble aware, and I do like a little flutter. I never bet one I can't afford to lose, and I think that's a safe thing for everybody to take forwards. But I've always won kind of a little bit of money on like World Cups and Euros, and I don't even watch them because it's quite standard the way yeah, that yeah. the results go at this stage of the competition, which is quite interesting. But if you're not interested in that, then there are a load of other sort of uh, game day ones if you want to just look at the England one. So get over to redmen.whoknowswins.com. Uh, keep an eye out on our socials later in the week for our selections and with the links of how to get involved. But if you go over to redmen.whoknowswins.com, gamble aware, of course, please. Uh, and you have to be 18 plus UK to get involved. Um, go on. Do you want to do it with me? Germany, go Japan? Germany. 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 Spain, Costa Rica? Spain. Spain. Belgium, Canada? Belgium. Switzerland, Cameroon? I would go with Switzerland, I think. Draw. Just. Draw. Draw. I was edging towards draw as well. Uruguay, Korea. Uruguay. Uruguay. Portugal, Ghana. Ooh. Portugal. I still say Portugal. Portugal. I'm going to go draw. Okay. They literally drew the way to a Euros, didn't they? They did, yeah. Pretty they much. Did. Uh, Brazil, Serbia. Yeah, Brazil. Wales, Iran. Wales. Wales. I think that might be a draw. They weren't great last night. Come again. Iran. They're 20th in the world, man. Iran. 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 Netherlands, Ecuador. 20, sorry, 20th in the world. I know they are, but my word. <laughs> Did you watch Wales yesterday? Uh, yeah, okay. Let's go sorry, Netherlands yeah, and England, United States. There you go. Yeah, England, yeah. Submitted my entry, so thank you very much for that one. Um, right then, okay. Uh, thank you very much. Do get involved, redmen.whoknowswins.com. Uh, part two, the Jude Bellingham saga continues. Um, and this one... This one was quite an interesting one that you brought to my attention, Dan, from Jean Arge Fjortov. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've got him up on Twitter now. Um, read you, Bellingham, my take. Dortmund boss Vatzel doesn't want to sell him to those kind of clubs, meaning state clubs. His mate Klopp is at Liverpool, but Team Bellingham will make their own analysis. So he doesn't want to sell to state clubs. Mm-hmm. And if we do a little bit of digging on this, uh, we go a little bit closer... Liverpool could be handed a huge advantage in the race for Bellingham's signature with Borussia Dortmund CEO Hans Joachim Watzka thought nice. unlikely to want to sell to the English state-backed clubs. <laughs> the English state-backed clubs, though. Oh, it's all there. The, the English state-backed <laughs> clubs, Steve. So hang on a minute. He's paving the road for this, isn't he? He is, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. Well, what readings that? What, what you may. Um, don't don't sell before the summer is the answer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Best be quick. <laughs> Get it done now. Get a deal done now. They are inviting concrete offers, by the way. So if anyone from FSG and the transfer committee is listening, yeah. get it done. Um, that that 
bodes well, doesn't it? Really, if you think about it, that's like saying we're not selling to Newcastle. Is this Dortmund going? We'll take a hundred rather than one hundred and fifty if you're a if you're a good owner. Do you know what? Like we spoke about this yesterday on the transfer show. We had a, a good chat about Bellingham and stuff, and it was it, inviting concrete offers after the World Cup. They want to get it resolved, and I said they, they sell a big player a summer, don't they? Essentially, done. That's their model. We spoke about our model earlier. That's their model. They get a big asset, they sell it on, and I think the way they run their football club again, similar to ours, is that as long as they get the price they want, they're not inviting a bidding war. They're not that interested in a bidding war. And I do think they would have preferences as to where he ends up because I think they have the player's best interest at heart. I mean, that's their sort of main thing. They probably couldn't help it with Haaland. Haaland's a, a beast in, in so many senses. He has got agents, he's got his dad influencing things. They couldn't really have a say. I wonder with Bellingham whether there is a relationship with them two that says, no, no, we'd rather you enter XYZ club and hopefully that's Liverpool because... Why not? As long as we're willing to front up their asking price, mm-hmm. I think there is a world whereby Dortmund say, it's up to you at the end of the day, Jude, but we wouldn't mind you going to Liverpool. And, and if that nods him in the right direction, then, then so be it. OK, I think that scream that we all heard before might have been Saudi Arabia. 2-1, I know. That's going 2-1 against the Argentina. There was a massive scream from upstairs in the office and I was like, I wonder if... I wonder what the heck I didn't that know there was like. big Saudi Arabia fans, to be honest. Just, no. just fans of football, I think yeah. they were, to be honest with that's you. So, mad, so yeah, and that's also shot my um, my who knows win stuff out the window. <laughs> if, if if Saudi Arabia can beat your Argentinas yeah, of this crazy. world, of course, uh, which is quite nice time. And I suppose, well, look on the uh, back onto the Jude Bellingham stuff. Then there is another quote here that we got from another article. Um, so it was during an appearance on Build TV on Sunday. The Borussia Dortmund CEO revealed that they will hold talks with the midfielder and his family after the World Cup is over. I think, and I quote, I think as soon as Qatar is over, we will have general discussion about what he actually wants with him, with his parents, with whom we have a very close relationship, and of course with his advisor. And then he should just tell us whether he wants to stay or whether he wants to leave. In both cases, we will have a very pleasant and reasonable discussion with each other, but we don't have to pretend that the issue is not on the table. If the really big clubs are involved, then we can't, go to, can't afford to, have, to fight financially. And that's a lot of what you were just saying then, Dan, isn't it? About how they do actually care about what the player is. Maybe they don't care so much about the money. Mm-hmm. But the money does help them in their fight mm-hmm. to finish second in the Bundesliga every season because it keeps a, a big gap between them and the other teams around them. And when they've got teams like RB Leipzig, who are now have a lot more money than them, generally speaking, um, it's going to be more difficult for them to do that. We know that the Bundesliga's picked apart and uh, by the monopoly that is uh, Bayern Munich. But Borussia Dortmund are one of those big sides. So, here's the question for you, and the hard question again, Steve, so I'm sorry to bring it to you. All right, let's go. Let's go. Are Liverpool going to be in for Jude Bellingham? Yes, they have to be. Will Liverpool be able to afford Jude Bellingham? They have to find the money for him. I think when you put all your eggs in one basket, two Chemonini turns us down and goes to Real Madrid, and then we make it known for 12 months that Jude Bellingham is our go-to, to then drop out of the race is, is a... PR disaster sends the wrong message to world football, sends the wrong message to the fan base, and there's another opportunity for someone else to sign someone that could sit in the centre of your midfield for the next ten years and lead you to glory, because he really is that good. I mean, yeah, you know, he's a special, special talent. Um, it would be beyond remiss to miss out, having mm-hmm. made all of this noise. It's all white noise at the minute, by the way, isn't it? But yeah. to make all of this noise and then not actually do anything about it, um, 
I just think that was is a really would be a really really poor decision on behalf of the football club. And this is a guy that speaks of Steven Gerrard being his his inspiration and his, his hero. And if Naby goes and then shirt becomes all of the stars are aligning for us to do this. Mm-hmm. It just takes someone sort of the, the balls, if you like, to say, well, we're going to have to throw that investment at it because this player changes the face of the future of Liverpool Football Club in terms of rebuilding the midfield. Yeah, and I think something that Ben Jacobs um, tweeted and someone just asked me to to find it and I'm struggling having a little fine while you guys are talking there, but he did talk about what Bellingham wants from a football club, uh, did Ben Jacobs. um, And that one of those is the facilities as as well as everything else, obviously being a good side and stuff like that. Liverpool have got to be there. They've got to tick the boxes in in that type of stuff, haven't they? Oh, 100% they do, yeah. And I think we do tick the majority of those boxes. Another one of those boxes will be Champions League football, of course, because you don't get the likes of Jude Bellingham or anyone in that sort of bracket of football without it. It's it's as simple as that. like the, we do have to find the money for him. It'd be interesting to see how we play that exactly because we've just spoke about the fact the club are looking for investment slash a sale. Whether FSG in the interim are willing to say, okay, I know we're looking to move on, but here's 125, here's 130 million will be a really interesting one. If we miss out on a player of Drew Bellingham's class because we're going through the sale process, that's a difficult one to stomach, in my opinion. But yeah, we in terms of Liverpool, we do have to have all the infrastructure. We do have to have everything going in the right direction. Jurgen Klopp's new contract will probably play a part in that because as a player, you'd want to see that the manager's committed to the cause as well. You'd also want to see that the owner's committed to the cause too, so that could also be a role in that. But I think we've got everything that Bellingham could possibly want in a football club. I don't think there's any two ways about that. He loves speaking about Stephen Gerrard. It's like his favourite topic. Mm. So it's all there for me in terms of what we can do. And, and like Steve Rightfully says, you're looking at you're not just spending that money on a player that can do it for you for three or four years. You're looking at 10, 12 years of, of Liverpool midfielder there, potentially Liverpool captain. You know, we're already looking at Jordan Henderson moving on at some point, Milner sooner than that. This kid, this kid's sensational. Is Bellingham enough, Dan? No, absolutely not. No, again, something we spoke about in transfer show yesterday. We need more, even in midfield. I actually think we need the centre half as well at some point. We sound mad to say, but. Virgil can't go on forever. He's incredible, but he can't go on forever, especially with that bad knee injury he had. Like, it's not going to be forever. Ibrahim Kanate is absolutely incredible and he's going to be for a long time. My worries with Joe Gomez on the other side. We know Joel Matip's going to break down for good at some point, so I think we need a centre-half. But for me, the bigger issue in all of this is that six. Jude Bellingham doesn't solve that situation. That's where we need to go next. Who are you going for in the six? I know that's a big thing for you, the six as well. Um, look, it sounds mad. We spoke. I'll go back to the transfer show. We spoke about it. Um, Declan Rice has been flushing, flattening his eyelids at Liverpool Football Club and saying nice things. It would be the most un FSG thing to do to go and spend two hundred million pound in the summer on two players, but those two players give you the your midfield for, for for God knows how long and they're both quality players and they're both proven quality players in, in Rice you've got 190 games worth of Premier League experience he's a leader he's a captain we need leadership we're a quiet we're a quiet team we don't have Andy Robbo is probably the most vocal player on the pitch at the moment um, so Declan Rice ticks a lot of boxes we need two in we absolutely need two in midfield we're desperate for two in midfield yeah. because if Milner goes, I see Henderson becoming the next Milner. Um, we can't rely on Thiago as much as we'd like to when he's fit, playing alongside A. Rice and the Bellingham, if you like, would just be the most sensational midfield around, wouldn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah, look, it would. <laughs> and, and we can't be sure that Fabinho is going to recover the form that we've seen. You know, He's another not 190-game player that, that we've asked an awful lot of. And we can we gamble on him returning to that, that form? Because we've seen it with players before, they don't 
always return back to the players that we, we loved. Um, and he's he's approaching 30, so we do have to have a real conscious look at the future and bring in players that can start well, hit the ground running, and build and take your midfield forward. You know, you could be looking at, if it, in, a, in a fanciful world, you could be looking at Rice, Bellingham and, and Harvey Elliott, and Harvey Elliott's development's been really interesting to watch. And you'd have three English homegrown quota talented footballers that, that improve what we've already got. So we need to. And, and, and Declan Rice, if available, at 70 million, which is a number that's been sort of... Yeah. I don't have to use to be honest as well. Absolutely. Yeah. No, he's not worth 100, 120, 130, like David Moyes tried to insinuate he was, let's be honest about it. He's a really, really good player. And with better players mm. around him, he would, he would grow again and become better again. Yeah. And with the right coaching and the right system around him, I think that guy's got a really high ceiling. But... You know, in a perfect world, those would be the two guys I would like to see come into the football club. Yeah, the the, the defensive midfielders, I think it's an interesting one because I really like Declan Rice. I said at the start of last season, um, and was almost laughed at actually for suggesting that we should go and sign Declan Rice because we had Fabinho and stuff. But mm -hmm. he's quite a versatile player anyway. To be honest, he doesn't mind getting forwards, and he's quite good at it. Um, he obviously was playing a little bit of centre back as well. The, you know, a, a player that I thought that could fit into Liverpool's squad quite well a year and a half ago. Um, now. Now everybody's come and join me on the Declan Rice hype train, so thank you very much for that one. Um, <laughs> but also, it's, a, it's actually a position where I'm not sure you need to spend 70, 80 million. I, it's one of those positions for me where quite a lot of the 30 million pound players become 70, 80 million pound mm -hmm. yeah, players. Yeah. You can get away with it a little bit by just finding someone. Yeah. Um, but I think Liverpool have moved past that as well. I think Liverpool just need to go, you know, this is the guy, this is the guy that we believe in. Let's mm -hmm. go and get Declan Rice. But if you were to sort of say, well, there's three areas of the, in, in the football field that we need. We know one's a 100 million plus midfielder. Yeah. One's a six. We've still got Fabinho. I'd probably be okay with Liverpool taking a spin on a £30 million player to buy somebody else for another position if you think it's a massive thing. Mm -hmm. I don't think it is at the moment. I think your right centre-back's obviously a thing for us in the future. Yeah, it's coming down the line. Yeah, it, it may be a year's time. Because Matip is injury-prone. Joe Gomez is not very consistent and has had his injury issues as well. Um, and as you mentioned, Virgil van Dijk's ageing a little bit. In terms of priorities, that's got to be it, hasn't it? It's got to be two midfielders and a centre-half. I think so. Yeah, I agree. I don't I think, think so. there's any other. There's no other positions there where someone could go. Hang on, what about this? No, I think you need one of the midfielders in January, and then you need to box off the other two next summer. In my opinion, if you were to do that and maybe add another attacker to the mix as well, on top of that, perhaps that's not even a necessity. A lot of that will depend on what happens with Firmino. I think contract yeah. wise, um, but yeah, two midfielders and that centre back, and the centre back's a young centre back who doesn't really need to play that much right now, but can come in. Will. Um, play alongside Canate every now and then as potentially the future a lot of people you know will still think and will still want Joe Gomez to be the future a centre half alongside Canate I have my reservations about that now I hope I'm wrong I really do I love Joe Gomez I think he was outstanding the, the, the year we won the Premier League of course I wonder with him whether it's one injury too many that's mm. my big doubt with him yeah, no, and it could be, and you know, it's something I've been saying for years. Is broke stays broke, mm. quite a lot of yeah. the time in terms of like you know your Adam Lallana's, your Joel Matip's. They always Alex Oxley Chamberlain, unfortunately, injured players get injured more. Yeah. It's just one of those things that always seems to happen, doesn't it? Um, so there you go. That's been the sort of the the transfer things. We're going to talk a, a little bit. Um, on our Redmen Extra show, the top secret uncensored Redmen show that we couldn't possibly say the things we say uh, over here on YouTube. 
Um, we're going to look at Liverpool's England players uh, a little bit. Uh, we're going to talk about the World Cup. We're going to talk about the One Love Armband. We're going to talk about sports washing. Uh, we're going to talk about some funny stories, that have, uh, things that have happened to us this week as well. So get over to redmenplus.com. Uh, don't forget you can use the Black Friday deal. Um, if you type in the code Black Friday on Redmen Plus as a club captain yearly subscription, you'll get that uh, for £25 for a year's worth of content. Uh, so, yeah, please do get involved at redmenplus.com. That has been the Redmen TV podcast for this week. Thank you very much for watching. Thank you very much for joining me. Loved the talk about FSG and the transfer talk as well. We'll see you all next time. Ta-ra. Thanks for listening. If you want even more boss content and podcasts just like this, go over to redmenplus.com and sign up now. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.